Yo, what's up, guys? Nate and Philip here. Welcome back to another episode of the Pokemon Podcast. What's going on? Hey, how's it going? Hey, you got to celebrate the brand new year or the new season in a new way, right? Yeah, a little, <laughs> little hype. We're going into year two of doing the podcast. We started this last February. And I thought it was March, but yeah, well, <laughs> I, I could have swore, yeah, but it was, it was it's 26, 27 episodes, so it's it's 54 weeks. So. Yeah, it was in the works at the end of February, and I think maybe we started like right at the end or oh, the yeah. end of March or something. Yeah, that's when we posted, you're probably right. But yeah, but episode yeah, 27, too. we're going to talk about uh, some reprints on this episode. Mm-hmm going to talk about like you know actual reprints of old cards like evolutions for example are they good for the hobby is it an engaging experience i think we we already know the answer to evolution specifically it was great for the hobby it's really fun to open got a lot of people in but there's a lot of downsides to doing that and repetitive nature of pokemon when it comes to reprints that we'll talk about and uh yeah we're also going to talk about oh i was just gonna say Uh, we're going to talk about the uh the reprints of actual cards like to meet demand as well but yeah go ahead yeah i'm just gonna say uh i don't think it can be overlooked about like the ex mechanic and and the tcg being reused yeah yeah, card artwork has been reprinted. Card mechanics have mm-hmm. been reprinted. Mm-hmm. Cards themselves have been reprinted. Like, there's a lot of talk still about Evolving Skies getting a reprint. So, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about all aspects of reprinting things in the Pokemon universe. But, yeah, what's been happening? No, you went back to Yeti Gaming. Oh, yeah, I sure did, and I had a pretty great time. First off, I, I was worried about how long it would take, but it was pretty smooth, honestly. I think the uh, conversation Vince and I had on Lorcana uh, probably lasted longer than the actual evaluation. It, it like I was shocked at how quick it was, but you know, I should have expected. There was a decent amount of modern product in what I sold as bulk. Uh, oh, yeah, I got that card I was mentioning. Uh, so cards that were just pretty much randomly just sitting in, in, a, in a box I turned into a pretty cool card nice. uh, so I really yeah, I really can't complain the 2016 uh, world championships promo just the normal one not the staff or anything but that's all I really needed honestly uh, so I was pretty pretty stoked to being able to turn into that the cars I didn't even care for that I even had they were just sitting collecting dust pretty much <laughs> I turned that into a card I really, really like, so I'm pretty excited. And I thought it was an 8, um, but then I looked at it closer. I mean, I, that was going to be what what I was going to get if the centering was good enough, regardless, honestly. Yeah. And I looked closer, and I saw what appeared to be, on the back of it, an indention of the World 2016 tournament. Like, the little stamp that they have on it. There was an indention on the back, so my guess is somehow it was stacked with other cards oh. behind behind another one, right? I mean, wouldn't that be how it would do it? Like somehow, yeah, maybe I think it was they like, came in blocks as well, like a stack, like a brick of them. That's so, 
somehow the weight or like they were just laying there and <clears throat> they became imprinted with him because there's enough weight on it for that, that to be. Um, Did he so have, I guess, he had another copy. So I wonder if he, if he had them both in a sleeve together, maybe that, that too, that too, that's something else I was considering too. Like where did the damage occur? Or for all we know, it they he bought it from the same person, and that's how they stored it. Yeah, you know, for all for all we know, so it was a miss. But I was, you know what? What? what it's fine. <laughs> like I, I don't really care. I was able to. I was hoping for like obviously like an eight to really have like great value. Um, but I'm okay having the hat card, honestly, long term. It's one of those cards that I wanted for my collection one way or another. And if it was something where if I could have made cash off it, if it was like a nine, then sure, let's do it. But it was also a card I was completely okay being in in my collection. So really felt like it was a win-win situation. And whenever I I brought up Lorcana, so basically how it happened was I got my number... And I, w- I waited for me to be called, and I was like, hey, here's my cards. Once they call my number, it wasn't Vince. I was like, is Vince here too? I got something I'd like for him to see. And so he, and I, I showed him what it was, and they're like, wow. <laughs> Who, Vince uh, said that, like, or the guy? Was the, the, it, was the, it was the guy that was waiting on me, and it brought in an air person in because I, I showed how it was a sequential 10 set and you know i just kind of talked about how lucky i was that i found a buyer that actually dealt in cards like soccer cards and he took care of the cards when he sent them off to me and that somehow they all came out of sense you know um i told him how crazy that whole was considering there was some people selling their stuff with negative one reviews people are buying from Folks with negative one reviews, it blows my mind. People were doing it, three thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, I would never do that that much money for a, a review like that. If you, if it's like a ten dollar item, sure, whatever. Three thousand, uh, uh. That's a thing, man. Those Disney sellers. I mean, we we talked about this when it was happening, but the amount. I'm just gonna say it. The amount of shit that. Disney produces for these things. I mean, you remember seeing all the D23 pins and good God, it's just ridiculous how much stuff they produce. And so a lot of people go into these events, you know, they might not realize how much this stuff sells, even though there are definitely people who go for to these events just to resell things. But mm-hmm. Yeah, they, must, they probably make a decent living, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I bet you can make if you go in there loaded with cash. I bet you could if you if you spent a lot of time doing it. I bet you could potentially hit six figures for revenue, honestly. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous, and you know we also made a point how crazy Disney collectors are because it just spans all generations, and there's just so much product out there. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people, you know, were used to Disney merchandise, but maybe not cards. So when these cards got so pricey, it really took people by surprise. So you had people who had no intention of selling anything that thought these cards were cool and ended up on eBay and 
So yeah, all kinds of things happen. Low feedback sellers, but yeah, in general, they were in pretty good condition though. And uh, well, I wouldn't base off the off the pop report. Um, I think people have sent their best their best ones off, and that's why we see the percentages that we do. Like, I, I wouldn't necessarily say, like, hey, let's just go buy a set and all of them, you know, you're going to have a 75% 10 rate on them. Especially I think now, now, yeah, but, like, at the beginning, I think people were just sending in the whole set regardless. Yeah, I mean, really. I, I know I know a lot of people in the Discord were saying, I bought multiple sets and I sent off my best ones. So, I mean, it could have been anecdotal bias, but I know I saw several folks say that, you know. So, that's just kind of what I, I assumed was going on. Um, and that's until we see more of the percentage graded. I mean, it's going to be hard to say one way or another, I would say though, right? Yeah, maybe, but I mean, in general, like we're in a minority, like people mm -hmm. usually don't grade cards, but well, and, the, and that's another thing too. And, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about this more on a future Lorcana episode, but a lot of these folks had no idea what they were doing, right? I mean, they were clueless about TCG. And even some of the people talking in the Discord early on watching as these sets were increasing in price. Like the first one sold for 500 You know, we thought that's what it'd probably sell at. And then it started going to like 1000 2000 1000 2000 And we're like, okay, do we buy? What do we do? You know, but there was, but there was a lot of, there was multiple people that spoke up that were at the D23 that were like, I don't really collect or do anything with cards, but I'm buying these sets, and, I, and they were able to obtain multiple, by my understanding. And it was multiple individuals that mentioned that, you know. And again, you know, it could be just kind of like a anecdotal bias there, but like, it's I kind of figured that was happening multiple ways than one, you know, because the whole we we we're, we're saying this whole time with Lorcana how it's going to. Hit, tap a new market that hasn't been able to be reached yet by the TCG world. Yeah, and it's already that's proven to be true. Yeah, and I feel like small sample size experiment, right? But it's kind of, it was kind of like a little mini... I mean, obviously it wasn't really a scientific experiment, but it kind of feels like that. Like a, a quasi... <laughs> a quasi-experiment, I guess. No, not really, but still. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, but it's it, weird. But... It's definitely going to be something. Yeah. Anyways, I had the cards bubble wrapped, and I had them in my hoodie jacket, or like, or like my the, the the jacket I was wearing. I had it on the inside. There's like these pockets on the inside of it, and I basically just had my hand and my coat pocket just on these cards the whole time. Like the moment I walked in, like. My hand was on those cards the whole entire time. The only time I, I left those cards leave my my touch was to show that, and I had them all lined up. And when he came through, when when he finally came back from his office, uh, <coughs> he looked like a giddy schoolgirl. Honestly, is how he looked. He he was stoked to see these cards, and. He started going through them. He was like, where's Cruella? Where's Cruella? Where's Cruella? I was like, oh. You know, I, th I think that's interesting how Disney has so much reach that 
the characters they chose for the D23 set is going to hit a demographic that's going to just be enamored, just love that character. Yeah. And there's a, there's a part of me, like, you know, when we talk about the hypothetical valuations that, like, you know, maybe they could all reach 10K plus. But I was like, nah, I mean, a lot of people buying, like, you know, people our age aren't probably going to be into, like, the Robin Hood or, uh, I mean, well, obviously the Stitch and also, but, like, the Captain Hook, maybe not as much, you know, like, that's kind of what I figure, but there's enough other culture around these other characters that could create a crazy phenomenon. Yeah, that I we think... don't. I think it's possible. I don't think, you know, I've always been below your ranges of like tens of thousands, but I'm optimistic. I think, yeah, I think they, I think they could definitely be higher than they ever have been for sure. Yeah. I was kind of really holding back, but it's like now I see, you know, their products, they showed their products and all the marketing they're doing this far out from release and the products look good. They got a whole line of them, starter decks and all. And I look at the communities, like the discords and the um, subreddit. There's like tens of thousands of people interacting with this already. And there's only 900 copies of these cards. So, yeah, that's not for everybody. But, I mean, the community's only going to grow. And, yeah, it's going to be pretty nuts. But... I don't want to talk a too lot much people, more on it, but yeah, a lot of people wait on gameplay. But anyways, my whole point was the dollar amount really wasn't necessarily you know relevant. It was just the fact that some of these other cards could be equal to price what we think might be the Charizard, and which is the Elsa. That's what I think. However, Ben thought it'd be the the Mickey. That was interesting. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I, I get it, but there's more of them. Yeah, like I said, I don't want to get into it too much, but yeah, I could see where he's coming from, and I could see that happening. Like, Mickey is the poster boy. Yeah, there was a lot more of them. Probably 3X, if not more. Um, But yeah, he's the poster boy. I mean, look at Charizard. You know, that's a set card. And it's it was more popular than, like, even the snap cards. Like, a first edition Charizard was more expensive than the Snap cards for a while. But, yeah, he's he's the poster boy. It's the card everyone wants to see. It's on the box. and But so is Elsa. So, we'll see. Yeah. But Mickey's and, just a timeless uh, classic, you know, going way back. So Yeah. Anyways, um, we... Got to talking, and he's apparently about to make a YouTube channel. And I was like, "Hey, if we could come to a deal, I would love to." You know, we kind of threw out a few per- percentages, and we we're like, "Well, we'll just kind of see what happens." And you know, I talked about a few things, like, "Hey, I would love to have some Disney Lorcana products if, if possible." He was like, "You know, awesome, no problem." And we, we even mentioned uh, the Avatar Less Airbender, the Y Schwartz. He's like, hey, I, I got to be able to buy from you because there's only one top rare. Was it like was it secret rare or like the God rare? Anyways, I think it's a, whichever like a signature. Is, well, there's only like one 
potential those in the case. So, and for some people, if, once they pull it, you don't know if you're getting those boxes where they know you have no chance to get in the top card. Um, but I know with Vince and Yeti Gaming, I won't have to worry about that. So like, hey, can I buy some of those from you? He's like, absolutely. You know, like I'm, I'm stoked. You know, I'm I'm gonna keep on coming back there. It's become my LGS. I'm Plus pretty it's, happy. It's also like, I mean, you could probably make out better, like for him, because of course he loves giving you product, which, you know. I personally probably want to do that, like get product in exchange for those cards. But oh, I'm not, I'm not doing. It would be like a box, yeah. <laughs> like it'd be a part, it'd be a part of the store credit. I would, I would get as a part as the percentages. But you know, it won't be like I'm not trying to buy a case. I'm just trying to buy a box or two to, to open just to experience it. Yeah. Uh, but no, the primary thing would be whatever the store credit would be like whatever big hitter he has. That I'm interested in. He did have a few ponchos, which I think he sold. He mentioned he has a BGS 10 Hanga Charizard poncho. Or a, if a these, black label. If these get a, a couple K each, though, I mean, you're gonna have to buy. Not interested. Gonna have to buy all his all his big hitters. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not buying the black label. I, I don't. I don't need no black label for the Hanga Charizard poncho Pikachu. That's. That's not. I never really cared about that. Um, I'm sure it's ten grand. He's probably wool hunting for it. Honestly, it just so, to me like something like that. I like which just from my experience, like I wouldn't do like a store deal per se. Like even for credit, because I mean, then again, he has to have something you want, and if you just spread that out over the course of time. I mean, yeah, it's cool. You can buy a bunch of stuff, but you know, the money is likely getting divvied up into lesser quality things. Well, but, the whole idea was I'd be getting at least sixty-five to seventy percent cash, which is what I would be getting after taxes, yeah, and eBay fees. So and the whole idea was, if he wants it, like, is he buying it store business-wise, or is he buying it for himself? Because if he's buying it for himself, like, I mean, I'd be trying to push it a little more. Oh, well, he said he freely acknowledged what the percentage is that the most he can do, and that's 72%, and that's probably where I'm going to ask, is 72%. It's going to be, and I'll try to get, like, 66 to 67% cash, so it's more cash than I would have received selling on my own. And I would get the store credit, so it's maximum value I'd be able to get anywhere, even on my own. Yeah. Unless somehow, unless somehow, the only alternative would be I sell it at a collecticon. So that's the only thing <laughs> I was thinking, like in-person cash deal. Which, if it was, if the hype really gets that high, I mean, that no doubt be the way to go, because someone would pay yeah. you like Overpay. like nine ninety percent. Pretty yeah. much in person, but mm -hmm. but then it's also a lot of cash on hand that you have to have, and that's not going to be any of those. It's going to be almost nobody. They would have to get a cashier's check on the weekend. Yeah. So, but anyway, but, uh, we talked about it long yeah. enough. <laughs> yeah, sorry, we we got we got carried away there. The only other thing was I bought I finished up like all of my comic series I was looking after. I I got a great deal at a 
place in St. Louis on comics. I got like two hundred fifty dollars worth of comics, like a hundred bucks, like one hundred twenty bucks, and I, I just flourished and I got everything else just last night. I'm like, screw it, whatever. Uh, I would go into detail more, but we've definitely gone on a little bit too much on this. <laughs> yeah, but we mentioned the Collecticon. You know, that's something else to discuss. Yeah, the only other things I've been doing. I mean, I'll have more on this later because I just kind of started it. But I did a uh, a little talk video with Bo Dangers, um, Bonnie. It's Bo Dangers on Instagram and YouTube. So it's always nice to talk to her. But that conversation and my minimalism like started another phase. Like you guys know my phases. I, there's every once in a while I get in this phase where. I just acquire too much stuff in my collection. I do this with everything. But I tend to be like heavy sell focused for like a month or two month period. And I'm entering one of those again. Like I can feel myself. I went through like a lot of my personal collection slabs and I basically did a do I really need this type evaluation today. And I've been really shining away from set cards. So if the card is like a card that's in the set, like I have a Japanese Vaporeon B from EV Heroes. Great card. It's my favorite alt art card in that set. So I picked up a copy. PSA 9, of course, but do I really need it? I like it, but it's a set card, and that money could probably go better, you know, do better somewhere else. But... Yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm gauging my collection again. I'm definitely going to be trimming down. I've been buying cards for my binder sets. Uh, My binder sets are pretty much done all through Neo. And really happy to get that done. And yeah, that's pretty much it. I'll I'll have an update and lots of cards for sale within the next couple weeks for sure. But still going to keep the money mostly in Pokemon. Another thing that I've been getting on a kick in is like personal finance again. (laughs) So I go through those phases too. So I'm probably going to invest some of that kind of max out some accounts for the year before April comes around because that's a deadline. And then I'll put the rest into like a, a bigger card, which I really like doing. I really like taking like a stack of cards selling them all and then putting all that money into like one big card kind of like i did with mario but so yeah i'll give you guys an update on that but yeah we uh mentioned collecticon collecticon orlando is happening pretty much just wrapping up if you're listening to this uh when we release um so it's happening this weekend the first one first collecticon of the year if you guys are interested in going to his show, it's a really good show. Probably the most Pokemon-focused show of them all. And, uh, yeah, they they pretty much been announcing their special guest and their, their dates. And it's all available on their website if you want to check that out. But we will be going to Kansas City, I think, like we did last year. Maybe another one, but... For sure, yeah, Kansas Denver City. maybe, if depending on how the Lorcana sells, that's a maybe. Um, but yeah, Kansas City, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited already. 
Yeah, I really want to hold these slabs until like a convention, mm-hmm. but you know the deadline. It's like a Roth IRA is what I was looking to max, and I can still contribute for last year up until April. So I might hit the max there and then take the rest to the con just to have something to work with. But yeah, it's I really want to go in there slab heavy and uh, see what happens. But yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, I'd say there's a lot of cool voice actors there too. I'm pretty hyped about that. Yeah, that's what surprised me, like how the quality of voice actors, like the ones last year were great, but I mean this yeah, this year they're even better and they're like more of them and yeah, it's really, really crazy. Gonna, yeah, it's like a What's that? I, I was just going to say, that was like the, a who's who of voice acting for our childhood. Uh, honestly, it's like everybody, it's voice of Goku, voice of Naruto, voice of Ash, voice of Yugi, voice of Kaiba, voice of Ichigo, <laughs> voice of Mario. Yeah, Mario um, is going to be there. Voice of Deku from My Hero Academy. I mean, it's, and then there's, there's, there's even more than that. Like, and that's just who they have confirmed so far. So Chum-ly. that's going to be several hundred. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Chumbly. Yeah, it's going to be several hundred dollars just in autographs, but I'm glad I decided to look now because now I can acquire items in preparation. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Veronica Taylor, the original voice of Ash. Yeah, the original, you know, Sarah Nancini, I think that's how you say her name. She did the, like, modern Ash, but Veronica Taylor doing the OG Ash from, like, back in the day, she's going to be there. So really cool to have her, and uh, yeah, it's gonna be pretty special for sure. Yeah, I might just get all the signatures on Sunday, or just you know see how I feel because most people are gonna be getting everything Saturday. I was so thinking, if we're going both days. I was thinking like if we did the VIP thing, it probably it's cheaper. It's cheaper this year. Yeah, and well, that might be good to get in line. Like if they're doing signatures for VIP. Like, oh, I see what you're saying. Like it might be because yeah. those lines are long Saturday, and I don't want to risk them like not being there Sunday or ending early. But there's only a couple I mean, that we're gonna, I want though. I could get down to four if I really had to. Three or four if I really had to. Honestly, like I made a list. There was seven, but I could cut out the voice of Mario and the voice of Ichigo. And do like Naruto, Goku, Veronica Taylor, and like another person or, or something. But yeah, it's more than two though for me. <laughs> yeah, I just don't know what I'd want them to sign. Like, obviously Mario Pikachu is the Grail for uh, Martinet. I think that's his last name. Might be totally hacking mm-hmm. that. But yeah, I have a PSA nine. I don't know if I want to crack that out or not. <laughs> But, yeah, it's uh, it's challenging. Last year, everybody I met, I had signed a blank hollow card. So I don't, you know, I don't know if I'll continue that tradition now or, or what. But, yeah, should be pretty fun. 
I want to go in there slab heavy for the selling, but I don't know mm-hmm. if I'll be buying much. Um, especially if I clear things out. I mean, there's a. I essentially want my graded collection to be really focused on my grail cards, just a small stack of grails, and maybe increasing the condition of my first ed Charizard. I think I'd like to work myself up to an eight, but could do that now, but I'd have to sell a lot of stuff. I have my gold star collection, my entire gold star set. I need to grade still some first edition hollows. I need to grade. So could definitely go to better places. And I was thinking, you know, that big case that I have for my graded cards Eventually, I want, like, a whole first edition, like, grade my entire first edition. And that's going to take up most of that box. So it's like, how many other graded cards do I really need when it gets down to the end of it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But, yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess the uh, last little bit of news or stuff we were going to talk about was the, before the main topic, that is, was the uh, Pokemon Direct. So they they had an announcement where, you know, they talked about some upcoming games for 2023. Within that announcement, they had the Game Boy revealed that was coming to the... I still call it Virtual Console, but it's the Expansion Pass. So if you pay for the Nintendo Switch Expansion Pass you can get access to, like, the virtual Game Boy or N64. And they have a lot of classic games on there that you can play totally free if you are paying for the pass. And if any game supports multiplayer, you can play that online, which is really awesome. And uh, so, yeah, they announced that the Game Boy Color and the Game Boy Advance were coming to that online service. So they already have titles up there. Some of them do support online play already. They did say that the Pokemon trading card game game for the Game Boy was coming, but it is not out yet. So usually how it happens is they release like one title or two titles every month. Um, that's what they've been doing with the other systems. And uh, yeah, if you're into the old Nintendo systems, it's I think it's a must. Like it's definitely the way to play. And uh, can't wait for that. But getting to the point, there there is a Pokemon Day Direct, which is coming up next week for Pokemon Day. It's usually where they hold all the Pokemon announcements. And a lot of people were wondering, well, is red and blue and yellow coming to the Game Boy as well? We didn't see anything about them, so I imagine we'll see them at Pokemon Day. And uh, the reveal for that kind of gave some OG Pokemon Game Boy mm-hmm. vibes as well. So. Yeah. It's got to have something. There's some sort of connection to that. That's obviously, like, you know, they're not making a mistake by just, oh, we're just going to throw some Charizard. But no, they throw in that Charizard. Something. They got something brewing. <laughs> yeah. And I was talking to you before this. You know, it totally makes sense. So the only way to like play the OG games and get the Pokemon transferred up as of now was to play on the 3DS and you had to have bought them on the store. 
and then transfer them to bank and then transfer them to home and all that. Well, after that, you know, they're, they're pretty much discontinuing the support for the 3DS store. And I think that's coming up next month. So with that, it's like perfect timing. You know, people aren't going to have access to these games anymore. People are going to have no way to transfer Pokemon up. And then with the timing of the Game Boy coming out, with the timing of the store going down, it just makes sense that they release these games and that you're going to be able to transfer them up. So, yeah, it's going to be really cool. And if it's anything like the other games, you're going to be able to play and battle and trade online. So I could literally battle you with my red or blue team, just like you could with the link cable back in the day. And, yeah, it's going to be pretty sick. So that that's why people are pretty excited for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's pretty cool. And I think... In addition to that and that connection to the older games, this is a fan theory, so there isn't really anything to collaborate. It. But so Paldia is supposed to be like like Spain, obviously. Carlos is supposed to be like France. You know, there's some thought that maybe a DLC for Scarlet and Violet will allow you to somehow explore in Carlos. Maybe not necessarily like, oh, we're going to go through the whole like storyline or be able to face the gym leaders necessarily, but just be able to explore it. And ultimately, this is where me might become biased at, but what if it allows them to remedy the terrorization process and allow Mahegas again? <laughs> like you can go to Kalos and you can now Mega evolve. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. That would be pretty I mean cool. right? It would be pretty love cool. The, the Megas. The Megas is the best sort of evolution technique that they've done, I think. And I think they can really, really give a lot of Pokemon new life and being able to give more Pokemon a mega evolution. Or even if but you had, like, a, they need to make it a new Pokemon, like a new evolution that just doesn't last forever. Because, I mean, you know, level three evolutions usually happen for most Pokemon around level 30. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of like, well, you got a lot lot farther to go there. But yeah, who knows? It just to me that I don't know why they wouldn't make that their own game, but yeah, any DLC will be just as popular. Well, you could argue maybe that was if they go that route, maybe that was their intention of going that way and, you know, who knows because if Pokemon did have a game which connected and but didn't necessarily allow you to like play the whole game specifically. Like the, say like it didn't allow you to play the Kanto region, the Johto region, but just allowed you to do like maybe certain badges or something like that, but not necessarily the obviously like replay the whole game, you know? Because um, they still are gonna want people to play those older games, essentially is what I'm getting at. Yeah. And but make it to where it's obviously it's where you can get the full breath and enjoyment from that region. And we've talked about this before, but how amazing of a game it would be. It will probably be like the best all time. 
honestly, because it'd be an, it'd be an epic. Is what it would be an absolute epic of a game. Yeah, they need to like get a proper development team. Like I don't know if you've seen the Hogwarts Legacy game that came out, but yeah, I mean that just shows you what you could do with the franchise. Like Pokemon fans are dying for something like that. Like what they could do with the Pokemon universe and like just connecting all the gens or having all the gens as DLC. Even if you made a new region, like a default area and then have the DLC start with Kanto, then Johto, then the next one, like you can make an MMO like experience. That would be really awesome. And, you know, you could still release new games aside from that. Just make that, like, the hub for, like, Pokemon battling and then release new games each year just like you normally would focused on, like, story. So, I don't know. They could just do it so much better. It's like they're just doing, which, you know, a lot of it is they just put the development of these games into other people, specifically Game Freak, who I think could step up their game a little bit but yeah they just know it's they just know it sells no matter what and it'd just be really awesome if they just made something crazy like that well you say that about making potentially like other games and imagine if they announce could you see them announcing a legends canto or like a legends mew uh, not yet. I could see them, like, I think we're due for, like, a Let's Go type game. Mm-hmm. Like, I could mm-hmm. see, like, Let's Go Johto type game yeah. before the other ones. So I think that's, like, next on the list. But, yeah, people really liked Legends Arceus, and that kind of opened the door. I mean, everything they do outside of the norm like, has gotten good reception. Like, the Diamond and Pearl remakes, they were exact remakes, but a little different art style, and it was great. Like, for just pure remakes, those were amazing games. And, uh, yeah, they just, no matter what they do, it's going to do well. They just, I just wish they could make a better product. But Like a Zelda-quality game. Yeah. Or just, it would be something. Yeah, just make the story better, which I understand is designed for kids, but, I mean, you can make, like, a Legends game where the story is, like, way more in-depth and a little more advanced than normal, because that's kind of, you know, open-world MMO, but I don't know, I just want more, and it's just so slow waiting for it to get here, but if it ever will, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like there's got to be a change at some point. Like, a, like, oh, maybe we should try, start trying. Like, I don't know what it would take. The games a were major getting, bomb. Yeah, the games were getting better, like, in the old school days. Like, the story in black and white was, like, the best ever. And so much so that that's why they made black and white, too. They just continued the story. And then ever since then, it's like they became focused on open world which is great and all but they totally put the story and stuff like that on the back burner because you know right after that especially when he got into x and y they started having open world cities 
Then they started having open world small maps. And Sword and Shield had open world areas. And then now here we are in Scarlet and Violet with completely open world. So really good progression, but it's like, all right, now we're here. Let's uh let's make some awesome. Anyway, that pretty much uh, talked a, quite a while there for the intro and the news. Yeah. That's pretty much all we had. But, yeah, like I said, we're going to be getting into the reprint talk. We'll try to keep this down to an hour or so because, uh, I mean, we've, we touched on this a little before. But, mm-hmm. yeah, we're going to cover why it's good, why it's bad, why sets need reprints, why they don't. And, uh yeah, let's hop on in. All right, so yeah, reprint sets. So I guess we're first going to talk about, you know, the actual sets that are reprint focused, like evolutions and stuff like that, celebrations um, that are more geared to be like a special product. And then we'll talk about, you know, the reusing of reprints and certain mechanics, like the EX is coming back. And then we'll touch on reprinting of modern product not reprints themselves but like evolving skies and like those type of reprints so yeah i guess it all started with base set two right yes it yes it did you know base set obviously it was a phenomenon right the thing that started it all started pokemon as we know it now we're basically 30 years later more or less and you know it's kind of interesting taking a stroll down memory lane with these sets it it kind of it really always is honestly it's just it being so popular technically wasn't it base set two like the fifth reprint technically uh yeah there was so yeah basically a base set there are four versions but base set itself had like 10 or 11 cycles like it was a long time there's so much base Mm -hmm. and uh yeah, the reason base set two was made, I think, just to have more access to the cards. Um, and, you know, of course, it incorporated base jungle and fossil into one. And so it was kind of seen more of like the playable side of it. Um, but yeah, it is. They are totally different cards. They totally changed the hollow pattern. They went to the galaxy foil for this set. So it is not the classic OG hollow. It is the galaxy foil that we've come to love from the gym sets onward in the Watsi mm-hmm. era. So they do look really nice. They look really clean and pop, but they have the dreaded little base set two symbol on yeah. the right side. So that, you know, when I think of symbols today, like the celebrations Pikachu symbol, like I just hate that on the card i hate the placement Mm -hmm. i hate how big it is um base set two was the same way for the longest time like oh it's just a base set two charizard you know it was like the red-headed stepchild of the base set um but yeah base set was widely available already and then base set two was um less desirable for sure wasn't the original I mean, even to this day, like, whenever I'm going through cards, sometimes it's our people's collection. Sometimes it's like, oh, hey, do you want any of these cards? And I'll go through them, and I'm like, oh, oh, right, a 
they said blast or alakazam and then you look at it, it's like oh it's got the two there <laughs> it's like i'm not really just a base two. <laughs> yeah i'm not really interested like i mean i had i think i had a few of these cards but not much obviously because i obviously had base set you know wasn't so much interested in it. It was kind of filler, I feel like. Yeah, it was fan service, but it was also just kind of like, yeah. hey, we're just going to mold everything into one and we're just going to re-release it because people are going to eat it up. And it's interesting because that's a practice that Pokemon has continued to follow over 20 years later. <laughs> yeah. And it works every time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, base set two Charizard is actually pricey now. Like it's over hundred mm-hmm. bucks for a good copy. So people yeah. no longer see or the dreaded two, as you will, and are super upset. But yeah, it uh, it's definitely less desirable than all the other variants of base set. But right after that, or kind of semi close to that, we get into the legendary collection, and. Uh, this set was pretty cool. I mean, it had the same idea as base set two, but they obviously felt like they had to switch it up because we get the introduction of the firework reverse hollows. And this is the only mm-hmm. time they've ever done this as well. Yep. So it, it made the set unique and like people saw those cards and they are pretty stunning in person. They are. Um, kind of takes you away when you see like a a really minty one but Mm -hmm. yeah essentially it's kind of like base set two there are some rocket cards in there now and the hollow is i think the og hollow but each of the hollows can also be in non-hollow and the firework reverse hollow Mm -hmm. so there's three more charizards right there so even by legendary collection we have like nearing 10 versions of the english charizard so it's a uh, pretty pretty crazy but this set was more like play focused i think each pack only had two types um in it so you could open up like a a fire and grass pack so every card in it was fire and grass if i believe there's there's something weird with that. Maybe it's like one certain type, but yeah, it's weird how they were set up like that. But uh, yeah, interesting set. These are less like less and less are being seen pop up. So these are more desirable than base set two, um, especially the reverse hollows, which are yeah beautiful. They get pretty pricey. I, I was going to say, I actually have a Dark Dragonite Reverse Hollow that I'm selling for a friend, and it is near mint. Um, the only downfall is there is some scratches, but there's no indentions from it being in a three-ring binder. But to fully appreciate these cards, you really do need to see them in person. I know there is a sizable portion of the collected community which don't really care for this set, and I understand where they're coming from. Because in a lot of ways, it is just a reprint, uh, except for the Reverse Hallows, and I completely get it. But my one reaction to that would be, or my one comment to that would be, we haven't seen this this Reverse Foil since. And it's because of that why I think these Reverse Foils have such a pull within the community, because there are no other cards like them in the hobby. 
And I think a, a lot of collectors see that, and it's like, oh, so you got the reverse foil, you know, Charizard or like the the, the Dark Dragon Knight, you know, like they they are really really cool to see in person. They 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 really are. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then pretty much um, moving forward, even all the way up to black and white, there isn't really any reprint. Um, of course, we revisit Gen One and Gen Two. Um, there was a Fire Red Leaf Green set come out whenever that game came out. There was a Heart Gold Soul Silver set when those games came out. So pretty much for a while there, people just kind of, you know, chucked forward. And uh, every once in a while you'd get a set where they threw in a reprint. I think Supreme Victors had a random, like, Hitmonchan, Electabuzz, and Scyther Hollow. That was an OG reprint. I don't know why. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was interesting. Stormfront had a... It wasn't an exact reprint, but it was an Arita reimagining of the base set Charizard. So that was a secret rare in Stormfront. And uh, pretty much any time you saw a reprint, it came in the form of that. Like, that was kind of a thing for that era sets didn't have all these super crazy chase cards but they may have had like one to three secret rares to chase and a lot of times those would be like a reprint or a shiny card um, nothing like what it is today but uh, so yeah you'd see them pop up here and there and then all of a sudden the big dog came in 2016 you know what it is evolution <laughs> evolutions yeah yeah so. Yeah, that was, you know, and that sets role and timing. Obviously, it was intentional, but just this overall like, coalescent of Pokemon Go and the 20th anniversary, just everything combined, and then we're going to reprint Evolutions and kind of have this amazing experience again opening with all these OG artwork cards and it got a lot of people back back into it it got me back into it yeah you know it it works it works it, it really does and i know sometimes it's frustrating for a lot of people that once you get once you're like well in the hobby it can be frustrating mm -hmm. cuz it's like oh here we go another reprint <sighs> you know and another charizard another base set artwork charizard yeah. You know, it's like I definitely understand the frustration once you're in the hobby. But, but the fact is, there's a lot of individuals that are very casual when it comes to this sort of collecting. Like they'll just buy some stuff here and there, and that's who Pokemon with these sets are trying to to hit. That there's a reason why they keep on going back to Kanto because whether whether we like it or not, there's a lot of people that only care about the first two gens. Yeah. Obviously, if you're a big fan of Pokemon, you like every gen. Well, I guess, right? You know, some we would like more than others, obviously. Some Pokemon we obviously like more than others. And yes, we're partial to the first two gens because of, you know, our nostalgia. But that doesn't mean that we don't like other gens, obviously. But for a lot of people, they just care about those first two gens. And that's why Pokemon continues to tug at those nostalgia strings because of that. Yeah. And my, my nostalgia really ties into the games. I mean, going back, thinking of, you know, obviously I'm most nostalgic for the Gen 1 games. Yeah. Um, and Gen 2 is great. 
But I have a lot of nostalgia for Diamond and Pearl and X and Y because Diamond and Pearl games I played a lot. And I know we touched on this before, like my nostalgia for Diamond and Pearl. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm pretty disconnected from Gen 3. I, I love the Gen, but I love like the Pokemon and the Legendaries. Like, probably some of the best, honestly, but I just didn't play those games much. And I'm most disassociated with Sword and Shield because I didn't even play that game until, you know, this year because I I didn't buy it. I didn't have a Switch. I waited to buy a Switch until, like, there was enough games that I wanted to play. And usually that's when the Pokemon game comes out because I've played them all. But, uh, yeah, with Sword and Shield, I was pretty disappointed. Um, it does have some great Pokemon, but, yeah, I just got really disconnected with it. Um, so I do think it really is, like, where you come back in. And so, yeah, it obviously makes sense. It's always Kanto. Um, they could make other products work, though. I mean, even after Evolutions and the Craze, we saw Celebrations. And, uh, you know, it was just as good. I think a lot of it was driven off the the hype. I really hate that logo on there. And that, that kind of seems like a direction that they're going to stick with now. Because, you know, they made the Halloween logo. Then they had yeah. all the variations of the logos. So it's unfortunate to see that. But uh, the Japanese cards look awesome with their hollow. But... Yeah, anyway, that's kind of the timeline of the reprints. So what are what are some of the things? Like, what are the best qualities of these sets or these secret rares that they pop in? And what are the downsides? Um, the biggest thing I think of as, like, a positive side, it's obviously a marketing thing, especially mm-hmm. back then when they threw in, like, a... You know, a reprint, new artwork, base set Charizard and Stormfront. Like, it's obviously a cool chase card just to get you to, to buy the packs. But uh, what do you think of the sets themselves when they make a whole set like Evolutions? So, now, it's difficult for me to speak objectively, I feel like, when it comes to this set. Um, because so much of my vigor and reintroduction to the hobby is associated with evolutions. And while I understand there really isn't any value, you know, if you talk about like how an evolutions booster box is 700 bucks and the most expensive card is like a $70 base at Charizard, you know, and sometimes it doesn't have to be rare for you to enjoy something. And this is one of those things where obviously I was naive when opening, you know, we've, we've spoken about that <laughs> by having the cost basis of my booster box being like 340 and within like a month or two, they were up to like 1200. Yeah. You know, like there is definitely a very rose tinted nostalgia when viewing these cards and it was cool how they were able to blend this old with new with the fo- with some of the foil patterns and then the EX mechanic with the char with the mega Charizard and the mega Venusaur, mega Blastoise. 
And it was really neat, honestly, viewing all, all these cards in a new light. Having this blend of new age meets meets old age. Um, but, you know, after you get in the hobby a little bit, some of these cards lose their allure. They start to look kind of meh. Um, but at the same time, I mean, it, Evolutions will always have a place in my heart when it comes to this hobby. And I don't think that's ever going to change. And if you kind of take, like, the heart of what I've said, I'm not the only one that would say such things on a reprint set. You know, Celebrations being one of those people, for a lot of people, there's some cards in here that folks would never never be able to afford to buy, like the Gold Star Umbreon, for example. Or some people might not even be able to afford, like, a Shining Magic card. And... This allows folks to appreciate that artwork without having to spend an arm and a leg, in some cases, for that card. And it allows folks to appreciate more of the hobby without being bled dry trying to afford it. And yeah. it gets it reaches more people because of that. The different eras of Pokemon reaches more era or reaches more people because of that. And you, that was the whole intention with celebrations, right? To print that thing to death. We, we can remember whenever they... Whenever... This was during, like, peak hype, where there was nothing on shelves. And yet, when Celebrations came in October of 2021, it was everywhere. Like, whole displays. 100 boxes of ETBs. It was amazing. It's like, okay, this is why we couldn't find product for eight months. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean... it's uh, Yeah, it was nice to see, for sure the amount there so evolutions while while it wasn't the first one though just to kind of go back and wrap up like we, we like obviously like they had little cars reprinted with stormfront with the og artwork and they had other secret rares here and there based at two blah, blah blah but evolutions was i feel like the first one since like legendary collection where they really went all out on this reprint and this eclectic of old meets new and we're going to repackage it and sell it and have it be as a set and they did it pretty well i i feel like i i really do with evolutions and i know a lot of people in the hobby hate evolutions and they hate just another reprint set but whether we but whether we like it or not i mean this is what brings a lot of people to the hobby and that's why it's not leaving because of that. Yeah, it was great. And it did a really good job, again, with the games. Like, X and Y was the set, or the game that was out for that set. And, of course, with that game came Mega Evolutions. And mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, it was a really great mechanic. People loved the mechanic. Um, but another thing it did, you know, it gave Mega Evolutions to classic Pokemon. So, like, Charizard, Blastoise, Venusaur, they could all be, you know, Mega or mega Evolved. So you get to make a set, which is perfect. You know, you can have a reprint set, which has a base set Charizard in it, and then you can also throw in a Mega Charizard in that same set. So it was kind of a two-for-one punch, and it was a really great set how they did it really great timing and all that 
business, but uh, yeah, they did a really good job with that for sure. Yeah, it was starting to wane in Pokemon Go. It was starting to wane a little bit by then. It by September, a lot of people were already. If you weren't a hardcore player, you you were basically gone or a casual by like September, October. Um, that, that's how it was in this community. I know you were pretty much gone by October, and they were still able. It was obviously still able to capitalize on the hype, right? That the the vigor that people had towards Pokemon. Um, there's a lot of YouTubers. There's a lot of individuals. Uh, that you see today that came back around this time frame, like between 2015, 2016. And that's not, not a coincidence. And I think we can all appreciate a lot of those people that did come back during that time frame. And I think it's a very integral part of describing the history of this hobby and the culture surrounding it. I don't think it can, you, I, in a lot of ways, I don't think you can really talk about how important Pokemon has become to a lot of individuals and a lot of people in our age group without mentioning evolutions in 2016. I think it plays a key role. I mean, it's played a key role in the market. Obviously things were at the time were at like all time high for a lot, a lot of prices. And we've obviously seen even crazy, crazier prices since then. And, you know, new, new lows and all that. But at the same time, I mean, you could say, the beginning of modern Pokemon in a lot of ways begins with 2016. Yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of, that's kind of how I see it anyways, you know, but again, I might be a little biased in how I was reintroduced to, to this hobby, but that's just my opinion on it. So yeah, like the, uh, the biggest downside I see of sets like this is pretty much stems from, well, if they, reprint another Charizard like Celebration's Charizard like that's going to decrease the value of the base Charizard because you know more people have access to it and in a way it's kind of true and I see where people are coming from with that but it's like you know people say for instance someone really wants a base at Charizard you know one day they might save up enough to buy it but instead they just buy the reprint Charizard instead because they don't really care. And that takes away someone who, like in the future, they may have bought that. But, I mean, that's true, but I've come to find that most people who really want, like, a certain card, they'll eventually get it anyway, whether they buy both or they sell the reprint and sell other cards. You know, the only reason people buy those instead of the other one is because it's out of their reach but once people who are really dedicated in the hobby like build up their collection and they have the ability to do that then they they move on to the to the next goal pretty easily so yeah i i kind of get where that those arguments come from but I don't know, Pokemon does a good job of distinguishing the reprints it's very easy to tell it's not mm -hmm. like, you know, some Yu-Gi-Oh reprints, you're literally looking for the spacing in one word on the card. Like, it's really weird. But, uh, yeah, thankfully, we don't have to worry about that too much with Pokemon. There's always a symbol or a set number or a different type of hollow that sets them apart. But. Well, 
I do think so. Evolutions, I think, was was great in its context, and I think even celebrations with it being the twenty fifth anniversary and the peak of the hobby, a lot of ways in terms of popularity and overall people involved, and I think that one worked pretty well too. You and I were kind of meh towards celebrations. I mean, we liked the Japanese ones a little. A lot more, um, but that was kind of our. At least that was my reaction to it. Where I was like, "Meh." Yeah. But clearly, a lot of people that came back in the hobby they saw celebrations a lot of ways, like how I saw evolutions. So I can't exactly fault individuals for being hype with this set and appreciating this set because it re they had vigor towards this set and towards this hobby. So I really can't fault folks for that. Um, now, where we can potentially get into a problematic issue is if they keep on harping on these on these strings here. And now, we are excited for this Pokemon 151 set with a lot of the new features that they've included when it comes to like the character rares, when it comes to the special art rares, alt art rares, which, you know, like it's going to be very interesting to see how they are able to incorporate that with I what I assume is going to have some sort of, of reference or homages to the original artworks on like from Watsi. Mm-hmm. Now, my biggest thing is if they keep on doing that, people are going to get bored with some of these cards and some of these sets. Sets that are supposed to be some of the premier sets, special sets of that year might become a dud. And I don't think Pokemon has any concern about... Let me, let me rephrase that. I don't think there's any concern for individuals to be leaving the hobby but it's enough to eventually where this might not be as successful as they believe it is because of past history. So I do believe if Pokemon keeps on doing this, it's going to lose its allure amongst people in the hobby itself, even if they are trying to reach people that they don't usually reach. Yeah, I think it's a little overspent, obviously, with, Gen 1 specifically, mm-hmm. I do think we're reaching a point where with the evolutions hype and then the celebrations and stuff like that, like maybe it's time to take a pause. It is coming up this summer, that 151 set. So mm-hmm. I kind of, you know, wish that they don't just do reprints like they have. But uh, maybe make it more unique or like a crazy reverse pattern. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see. It's definitely gonna sell, but I kind of hate how they named it like 151 because yeah. it's like they they're setting up for the potential to do this for every gin which is kind of what we've been begging for. And we'll get more into that like towards the end of the episode with what we want to add. But it's like, we already have evolutions. Where's evolutions two? where it's like Johto or Neo sets. Um, so we're going to have Pokemon set 151, 
Are we going to have Pokemon set 152 through 200? It's like, that That sounds stupid as a name, so why would they name it that? So, I don't know. It's just, it just makes me feel like this is just another set for Kanto, and that's all we're going to get because of the name. But, we'll see. It, I would have been, it would have been nice if it was like Kanto Collection or something. Um, so then we could have Johto Collection and the name just, you know, makes so much more sense well, just to roll with it. That name, what well, wasn't official, was it? I thought that was just the current placeholder. Um, I have to double check, thought, but yeah, it, it might just be a placeholder, which would make sense. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, maybe, I mean, it's too early to really say that, but that's how I interpreted it anyways. Um, because that name doesn't exactly catch you by like, oh, catch a hold of you. Say, oh, Pokemon One Fifty One. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It seems pretty. It seems pretty generic for a name. Is kind of why I was assuming that. But yeah, it very well could be. Oh, hey, here we're just gonna have Pokemon One Fifty One, and you're just gonna like it. <laughs> I mean, it it w- could make sense for a Japanese set. Like they've kind of done that before. Mm-hmm. And that 151 is why people got excited in the first place. Because that makes you think Gen 1. But, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see. I'm sure we'll be talking about it a lot this summer. So stay tuned for that one. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so, yeah, that's that's pretty much it for the like actual reprints of the artwork. Um, like we said, it... It's mostly there to bring people back in or to chase certain cards. So it's obviously a good thing for the Pokemon company. It would be nice. Like, can you imagine if they reprinted the Neo Umbreon and Neo Espeon in the same manner? Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, they probably have that in their back pocket. You know, overall, just gets people to buy more things. And collectors love them. I have part of my graded collection is a small Charizard collection because anytime one pops up cheap, like I like to pick up a copy because you can never go wrong with them, I think. Um, So, yeah, I have an Evolutions Charizard. I have, you know, the Japanese variant. Um, I have the 20th anniversary Charizard Hollow. So, yeah, it makes sense for collectors as well even me who like doesn't really care about set cards anymore but uh yeah not many downsides um unless you're just hoping for you know like johto reprints and you're like oh my god canto again but uh yeah Yeah, i would be it would be nice to have other iconic cards within the hobby and even like the watsi era be reprinted to the same regard and extent okay maybe not to the same extent that base that charizard is because i do believe they do reprint it ad nauseum at this point and i've mentioned before how you know just like oh we're just gonna feature a charizard in this set and it's gonna sell and it just seems kind of lazy though doesn't it like oh we're just gonna have reprint charizard and people are gonna eat it up and it's gonna sell it it i feel like it makes to where Pokemon doesn't require innovation 
with some of their their sets because especially the special sets because of they, they just know it'll sell like there's some other uh other examples of this but then the and the pokemon community is with pokemon go they will have countless kanto events or an event featuring a lot of kanto and johto pokemon because they know people will be playing it and they'll buy raid passes you know for like the legendary birds mewtwo it's just like here we go old reliable you know and it sells and i just wish they would put more creativity and honor some of the other cards within the hobby that also have a lot of iconic status like what you mentioned like the the Umbreon, or the you know the Neo Umbreon, and then other ones that I would love to see are some of the shinies, especially the Ch- shining Charizard. That's one of my favorite Charizard artworks, and I wish we could see more of that. Unless they're just like, okay, here's base set again. See, celebrations did do decent in the fact that it had multiple arrows involved, but like even then, I mean. It was literally just a reprint with a special foil pattern and like a symbol. Like it's not. I'm going to see more of other generations, especially Johto and Hoenn. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like they have with this EX mechanic, they have this opportunity to pay an homage to the Gen Three era with the EX era. And it's a great opportunity if they did, but would they? You know, I'm, I just don't know. Because, let's see, the 30th yeah. anniversary would be 2026. So, like, I don't know if they would... There'd probably be a new game by then. Mainline games by then will probably be coming, mm-hmm. coming out that year. So they will probably like, oh, we're just going to do another base set reprint, you know? <laughs> instead of again. having another... Yeah, instead of having another opportunity for honoring some other types of uh, eras. Yeah, it's it's frustrating sometimes, but uh, there's not, you know, the positives are obvious, and there's not enough downsides to change. So, yeah, we can just hope that even better products come out or a more variety of things, and, you know, I just stick with that. But Yeah, absolutely. When, when it's and all you know, said and done, just collect the originals. Like, who cares about reprints? Just... Don't buy them. Just collect the originals. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I haven't bought. I have basically. I'm. I think I'm like 15 shy shy of a master set of evolutions, you know. And I'm. I'm been meaning to get them. And the Japanese celebrations do have some incredible foil patterns. Um, but you know that isn't really high on my list to collect. Yeah. To be honest. Even like the like the base set trio, it's just I'm just kind of meh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I even bought the Japanese version of the Charizard, Blastoise, and Venusaur, but with what I talked about at the beginning of the episode, having like this feeling of just wanting to get rid of things. You know, I'm only keeping the Charizard, and I'm only keeping that because other people like it so much. It's kind of dumb to like not keep it, I guess, but. Yeah. Hopefully we'll see more. Well, what, I say what makes those cool is just the foil pattern. It's kind of another unique foil pattern, right? 
Yeah, like it's sure. not as cool as like the legendary collection, but its foil pattern is very unique, and I think that's a part of the allure is the unique foil pattern and the 25th anniversary symbol looks very sleek on it. Uh, meanwhile, with the Pikachu symbol, it just looks kind of cheap and manufactured. Yep. Well, guess let's hop into the like certain mechanics. So, like this year, obviously Scarlet and Violet. We're seeing the return of the EX, and uh, this is the OG EX from, like, Gen uh-huh. 3 cards. So, this is the first time they've really recycled a game mechanic. Sure, they've added and taken things away and brought things back, but as far as the mechanics go, they've never revisited anything except for EX, and the first time they revisited it in like the, you know, kind of right after or during black and white when they had, I think it was Next Destinies, that set was really big because that's when they brought back the EX. But the mechanics were a little different and it was successful either way. And then now we're going back to the EX again and this is... Not even that EX, but the original EX from Gen 3 sets. So the possibilities now are kind of blown wide open. You know, the unfortunately we have the Terrastalize in the Scarlet and Violet games. I think that although it's a good mechanic, like... mechanically visually that is just atrocious and i think that was probably why they went with the ex's again i don't think people would really like the design of those on pokemon cards and that's just kind of my opinion because i dislike the design so much um but if that's the reason or not it opens up the possibilities now of them being able to reprint or recycle, you know, any aspect of cards. So they could bring back rainbow rares. <laughs> People loved rainbow rares so much that they'll bring them back. <laughs> but uh, yeah, who knows? You know, I, they could bring back anything. Well, I'm hoping this is what, because we had, they also had an EX era for the megas and, I mentioned earlier how awesome it would be if we could ha- if they had a DLC where you could like play in like the Kalos region and this I feel like gives them that opportunity if they wanted to take that path. Will they? I don't know, but it would be incredible to see mega arts or mega evolutions with these like art rares that they have. I think that would be pretty cool, and it would allow them to... They'll still make these, like, the Gyarados EX with, like, the the Terrorization hat that is as big as the Gyarados itself (laughs) on, like, the card. Um, So these cards are, like, cool-looking. They kind of have, like, that Hidden Fates foil pattern in some ways, but, I mean, they do look kind of ridiculous, they do. It just doesn't look right. So I could see them still printing those. Like these could be like the rainbow cards of this of this gen, 
and then they could have the mega aspects with like the character rares and really kind of have like the best of both worlds. And will they go that route? I really don't know. I'm leaning towards no. But I think we can both attest that it'd be amazing if they have if they were able to feature more megas because there's a lot of Pokemon that could have omegas, mainly every single starter. And they only have a few of the starters. Like Gen Gen is one, Gen three. It'd be amazing if they could do Gen two. I mean, just every single starter should have a mega evolution, including Pikachu. And will they? I really don't know. But they could even go further with certain legend with other legendaries that have been introduced. I mean, there's just so many things they can they can honor every era with this. They could incorporate so much amazing artwork with this. It's just I don't know if they will go that route. I. I I just feel like they're still caught up in, like, let's market for what sells and what we know what sells rather than create ingenuity and take risk, which they could if they wanted to, but they seemed hesitant. They seemed like, okay, old reliable. Let's go ahead and go that route. Yeah, it's definitely what they're doing for the games, like like I mentioned. It's like the innovation could be so much better and, like, we could get really amazing games, but... They know it's going to sell anyway. They're just trying to make yeah. something a little nice that's functional. And yeah, it's just frustrating. But well, it would take more money to make, is the whole idea. So it's like, well, let's keep this current budget, you know, and let's do it like this, which is the old way we even doing things. Whereas if you tried innovation, you'd have to probably somehow incorporate more people or a variety of people that can write a better story. Something that they haven't gone that far to be able to, to do. Because if they, you can hire better writers, more talented individuals, that, that costs money. Not saying there aren't talented individuals that work with Pokemon Company or work with Game Freak, because that's obviously the case. Just saying that sometimes when you want the best, you kind of have to splurge a little bit to get that creative mind into your into your industry and they just don't seem willing to do it because again it's taking a risk and it's what they know yep so yeah excited to see that come back it would be crazy for megas to come back and uh yeah just like the reprints of the actual pokemon anything's possible and uh can't wait to see which direction they go yeah because i think we can both agree that the megas is the best evolution mechanic that they've or mechanic that they've that they've created i I mean it's it's just incredible um it gives you new like a a god tier pokemon you know like oh like a blastoise with like a straight cannon on his back (laughs) yeah for sure it it was the best and that's the games i played the most xy like i really got into competitive pokemon again and you know that did trickle over some but nothing like x and y i was i was into it with diamond and pearl and then yeah megas came and a lot of people just really took off with that and it was so much fun but mm-hmm. yeah hopefully we can revisit some of those things and this is the first time we've really seen a disconnect of like the games and the the cards like the terrestrialize being in the games and the EXs being in the cards, like it shows you that they're trying to figure things out um, and willing to change things. 
But yeah, the visual appeal of the terrestrialize is, uh, like I said, just not doing it for me. Mm-hmm. And so thankfully they kept it off some of the cards. But I think the terrestrialize Pokemon and the TCG will become like the V cards, like not that really desirable. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah. With that said, though, um, what do you think? So now we're going to get into like the technical version of the reprints. So up to this point, we're talking about classic cards being reprinted. But how about the topic of the week? Every week people are talking about it still and reprinting modern products. So not OG cards for like marketing purposes, but for demand purposes. A lot of people are into modern sets right now, um, still doing very well. And shelves, I haven't been there in probably the last month, but there for a while in the winter where I visited a store a couple times a week, it seemed like. For some reason, I was going a lot, and the shelves were pretty bare. Um, it was right when Crown Zenith was coming out. Um so yeah, what's your opinion on the reprints? Do you think they print too much product, too little product? I think overall they do just right. <laughs> like Goldilocks and Three Bears. But no. <laughs> um but no, I I do think they do a pretty good job. They don't make it to where it's like so mass printed like the late eighties, early nineties sports cards that it's literally worthless thirty years later pretty much, but they do print enough to where there's some value, but it's not worthless. And I think that's pretty good overall um, because they do, ha- they do have to balance this fine line because they Pokemon is aware of the secondary market. Now we've kind of mentioned how, especially some more old school way of doing things in Japanese culture. They felt like you saw this with Nintendo. They felt like they were responsible with the, secondary profits um but you know they do respect that market a little bit but they also keep an eye on it and one of those situations was with roaring skies now i know we've mentioned this before but roaring skies is kind of behaving in a similar way that evolving skies has and that they hit like three four hundred dollars a box and it was still in rotation now there, I know you mentioned, like, you know, TTCA Gaming, his distributors said it's listed as out of print. You know, I don't know if they would really know that, honestly, because I'm sure Pokemon tells them a little bit, but they're very, very hush-hush on stuff. Um, so even though that company might say that, I'm, I'm not sold on there being no reprints because it's still in rotation this year. And I just would be shocked if they didn't do a reprint of the booster boxes because it's ridiculous that the booster boxes for Evolving Skies is $350 a box. Yeah. And like, you look on TCG Player, there's like, oh, th- someone bought one at 360 355 345 I mean, it just seems to the point where, like, this isn't three years from now. This is still when the set's in print. And... I feel like Pokemon almost has to do something about this because now is it FOMO? Is it hype? It's probably a little bit of column A, little column B. 
a little bit of the actual scarcity of some some of the boxes. But like this just kind of reminds me a little bit of evolutions in a way. How there's so many booster boxes out in circulation, yet it still somehow hit thirteen hundred dollars a box. And now it's like six hundred dollars a box. And that's kind of what this reminds me of. Like will it Will it level out? Is 300 it leveling out without a reprint? You know, we've seen some whispers of small reprints. Like, apparently, there was a... They had some sort of supply on Pokemon Center. It was only for a little bit. It, like, even the Twitter push notifications didn't, didn't reach it. So, we don't know how much it was. So, it wasn't enough to make any sort of dent within the product and within the market. But I would just be shocked <laughs> if we don't see anything from this set. Because Pokemon ultimately cares about its base, its player base, its consumer base. They want folks to be able to afford their products. And I know booster boxes aren't like sold in like big box stores, but it's still how a lot of people purchase their items. Because I mean, well, until they hit the, the new price that they're they're going to have for the upcoming year, it's still the best bang for your buck when in, in terms of buying packs. Like, if you wanted, like, a bunch of packs to open for the set, it's the best way to do it. And I hope they're aware of that and that they do something about this market price because it just doesn't make sense to me. It really doesn't. Especially when you know how many sealed boxes there are. Obviously, they're off the market, quote-unquote. But there's so much of this product, sealed product, out there that the price just doesn't make sense to me. It really doesn't. And I think we're going to see a Roaring Skies Part 2 moment because the scenarios that we've we've described is literally identical to what happened with Roaring Skies. Yeah. I think... Yeah, I think it will get a reprint. I think it's... Uh, I think they've waited a long time just to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um and I th- also think we haven't been seeing stuff on the shelves to A, get ready for Scarlet and Violet, but B, that, you know, they publicly stated that it's a problem and they're working on it. Mm-hmm. And for a couple months after that, we're seeing empty shelves. So it makes me think <laughs> like they're just going to be pumping this stuff out. And One last we time, looked. But. Yeah. Well, I so said, we also saw that there is no. There, there's kind of a, a lull between sets in a way, right? Like, obviously you got Crown Zenith, but the next one is until the end of March. So we're, we're like five, six weeks away before the the next set. And I just have to wonder if... I don't, obviously, that wasn't necessarily by design because they have that marketed out. But you have to wonder how much is going towards other sets as we enter the regional championships of the Pokemon TCG. You have to wonder if they're preparing for a massive dump before the spring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I I think they're going to be doing a dump, and who knows what all sets will be included. But yeah, they'll they'll be a little a dump for sure. But uh, and TCA's distributor only had that because it was. You know, they could have been listing that like they don't have any right now. So mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to tell. But, uh, yeah, it, it was kind of weird. But, yeah. 
Well, let me let me see something. Oh yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna see what else we could mention for it, but uh, I mean, yeah, people been talking about it for a while with the reprints, and uh, yeah, there's not really much else to kind of touch on, I guess. Well, I was curious. At? I was looking to see what the Umbreon, the Altar Secretware was hitting. Um, I mean, I know it's came it's, down a little bit. I feel like, but not. Much. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's still five hundred dollars. Um, easy. One of them listened. To, you know, that's near mint. But even because this is still playable card so i mean even moderately played it's four hundred dollars yeah so i just feel like you take a look at it and that's what pokemon is really looking at not even necessarily the price of booster boxes but they're looking at some of the price of some of their alt arts and they're like okay this is getting a little much our players like we don't want a situation like with Magic, where like it's two thousand dollars to have a decent deck, and you got to make a new deck like three times a year. <laughs> it also runs the risk of you know alt arts being more common in the future, because I think the reason we have this is because of the rarity of the alt art. We've never really seen a rarity like truly this rare, and of course collectors love it. And, uh, you know, one out of a, a thousand packs rumored to be, I mean, that's that's pretty crazy um, for yeah. a modern product. But when you think about it, 36 packs of booster box, that's a lot of booster boxes. So I think mm-hmm. it makes sense for Pokemon to go that route um, to appeal to collectors and normal players. But I think the drawback of that that they may not have realized is like, People want to buy a box and open that card. So that's why we're seeing the boxes go up. So mm-hmm. in a way, it makes their products more expensive for longer, which I don't think they'll like. So I anticipate, you know, maybe in the future, the the chase cards being more common. Um, maybe they leave them the same and don't care, but... I think that might be a side effect that they really didn't anticipate. You know, the reason that box is so expensive is because the Umbreon. And if you are paying that for the box, I mean, you're not likely to get it. And it is, you know, very hard to pull and people are really disappointed. So Pokemon hates that. Like, they don't want that experience. So... Either they just print it to the ground um, to just have more boxes out there where they're like, I'm sure they would love it if they could get the box down to like under $100 because the alt arts are or so. Or under 200 yeah. Yeah. It'll be tough. Well, but, you know, I mean, I'm sure they want it as accessible as possible. But, you know, that's I, the risk they run with the alt arts being mm-hmm. so rare. And... I think that's why they've made the special art rares to be so accessible, like basically the equivalent of rarity of a V. So like one in three, one in four packs. So it feels like you're, although you might not be hitting the chase card, like the V, 
for Crown Cena's case, like the VMAX Gold Rares, you're getting a lot of value because you might get upwards of 10 of these in one booster boxes. And they're cool. They're amazing. They're gorgeous. And while you can get them pretty cheap because even the, like the Lapras is five bucks from TCG player, you know, like you can get the whole thing for a cost of a few ETBs, honestly, like the whole gallery to be completely real with you. But I think that's why they did it to make it to where it feels like a more enjoyable opening experience and even the rarest cards aren't that rare. We looked at how the Arceus was like well, going for less than hundred bucks, and it's still going to drop. <laughs> that yeah. card is still going to drop. Uh, so it's. I think we kind of see them shift away a little bit from alt arts. Um, it would be cool if they have them again in this set or this this era. They do kind of have them, but they don't have the same rarity. Um, so I I don't know if like you said, they're going away from that because of the prices you're seeing. But ultimately, when you have the Rayquaza VMAX Altar, for example, in Evolving Skies, you know, 300 bucks near mint. So you have two cards of grand in near mint, and they're like one in 1,000 packs. Very hard to pull. I could see what Pokemon could do. They could do a massive final reprint of the booster boxes to get that price down to a more appropriate level because it is pretty insane that an ultra modern card still in print is over 500 bucks still yeah it's more expensive than the unlimited i mean near mint obviously i'm actually kind of curious what do you think the near mint unlimited haste set charizard is going for uh i'd say 300 to 400 yeah, I'm about to look. Yeah, I like I said, yeah. I think it's... Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, it's like three to 400. You're mint. Base set unlimited. Yes, the uh, Umbreon's more expensive than that by almost double. Yeah, I think it's, like I said, an unintentional side effect that they weren't expecting. Like I said, the alt arts being pretty rare is great for the hobby. But, yeah, then you have to think, well, it's kind of become <laughs> the norm to open multiple booster boxes now, but are people able to open 10 booster boxes? It really kind of takes away from the hobby in a way. So I think they'll make them more common in the future with the SARs, the special art rares. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, it was unintentional. If it is intentional, then they're going to just simply ramp up their production of booster boxes, just sell more boxes, because it'll be good for them, and it'll be good for everyone else, because it should keep the boxes low. But, I mean, what else do we see from that? We see the prices of these special arts, like you just said, just get obliterated because they're so common. So it's like nothing is worth it. Nothing is worth anything in the set unless it's like, you know, the alt art. So, but I will say real fast, I see also a low risk opportunity with the, the special art cards um, near mint. I would buy the J- Japanese personally because I don't like the yellow border on these cards. 
But I think some of these cards, like even your, like I would even wait even longer. But I mean, you're talking some some of these cards are going to be like one to two dollars near mint. Okay, these yeah. cards scream being five to ten bucks in a, in a few years. So if you want a low risk, quote unquote, investment opportunity, here it is. Even though there's a lot of them, it's not going to take long for near mint, especially for very desirable Pokemon to go to five or ten bucks. Yeah. Like I plan on going to the local car shop here in town. I was meaning to do it yesterday. I just didn't have time just to see kind of if they have any of these cards and just get them for like a dollar or two a pop. And then what I obviously I'll just sit on them in five years. Hopefully they will be like five or 10 bucks and be like, okay, I just quadrupled my money in a few years <laughs> and I spent like 50 bucks, <laughs> you know, certain things like that. Like there are opportunities, even though they are printing a lot of this product. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they're really great. I mean, that's the thing. They're making them common, but they're making them really great where like people like them. So, mm -hmm. yep. See what happens. There but... was, I say there's one question. Oh, I forget what it was. Oh, I I, I had a question that was going to lead into the end of it, and I just can't. Re I just completely forgot what I was going to ask. See, we're pretty lengthy oh, well. on time. But, yeah, I know, but it was just one question that I was going to lead into it, but I, I forget what I was going to ask, so never mind. One question <laughs> is like 10 to 20 minutes with us sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. But yeah, I guess really we're only going to touch on one question here at the end, and it is what we would like to see. So let us know in the comments as well what would you like to see for this question, but essentially... We're asking if there was one product or one reprint product that you could imagine, kind of like Evolutions or kind of like the 151 set coming up, like what would yours be? So what's the first thing that comes to your mind? The first thing that comes to my mind, I don't know if they would do it, is the Vending Series reprint those cards with special foil patterns. That would be cool. Right? But that's the first thing that comes to mind is, like, you know, the first illustrator cards, like the Snorlax and, like, the Poliwrath. Or is it Poliwrath? I can't remember what's up ahead. But, like, those with, like, a cool foil pattern would be pretty cool, in my opinion. That's the first thing I go to, because we never, we never saw those printed in English, so... I think it'll be pretty cool to see that artwork in English for the first time. Yeah. The only thing, though, like, which I always bring this up, that they were printed in English, <laughs> but just a handful of them at the uh, Tropical Mega Battle. Yeah, I meant, like, wide accessibility. Because, you know, they're really not that expensive for the whole set, even in, like, quote-unquote near mint. Like, I think you can... Like, we saw one that... We saw a guy that was trying to sell it at the KT Collecticon for, like, 750 bucks, I think. And honestly, that might be a thing that I may or may not buy when we go this year. I haven't quite decided. Um, but, I mean, that's really not that expensive, it's especially if you're willing to spend $1,800 on a case of Evolving Skies. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, that would be the first thing that comes in mind for me it would be pretty cool to see also a reprint of some of the trophy cards like the illustrator 
I mean, it wasn't a trophy card. It was an illustration card. But still, you know, that would be pretty cool to see. Like, with a special stamp on it so people can have that card. Yeah. Because it's not, it's not going to decrease the value of the illustrator any. <laughs> it's just going to give a lot of fans in the hobby a chance to actually have a card with the artwork that isn't a proxy card. It would make a lot of people mad, though, because, like, there are no alternatives to those cards. Yep. So it's like, yeah, people who have them, you know, they that is the only version of that card you can get. So it kind of reminds me of the Precious Collection box that we just saw a few months ago. Yeah. It's a really great product. It It's probably the one product that fits in with like a very few products of mine that I'd probably be interested in picking up as far as like an investment standpoint. Yeah. Cause it's a really great card, but with that, you know, in crown Zenith, it got an English print with the yellow border yep. and it's a great card, but that really takes away a lot from the Japanese card, even though the Japanese card is still expensive it's just not as crazy because, you know, it's got another version out there. So people will be pretty mad know. with, with like <laughs> something like that happens. But 41 people will be very upset. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I get it, but like I said, it's the collectors that have the money that will buy that card. Are, it's not going to change their mind on that card. Um, you're going to give more people the accessibility to have such cards. And I think that's that's pretty cool. Um, I don't know if they will, because while they do reprint, obviously, base set, they haven't really done anything for things beyond base set, even like earlier styles and artworks, you know, before base set. So I, it's very unlikely that if we ever see something like that, it would probably be for an anniversary set, is my guess. Yeah. But I, that, that's what I would like to see. What about you, though? Um, I would like to see... Like, I like the idea of 151 set. I just wish we could do it for each gen. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. like absolutely like go through all the gins make a make a product where like there's like nine different booster packs and each booster pack is like a generation <laughs> yeah but that would be like totally insane if it was like the first ever printing of the artwork of the pokemon and the set was like a thousand cards and whatever booster pack like you could have a kanto pack johto pack and a hollow in every pack and then the hollow was one of the og hollow cards of their very first printing like that would be like a dream product even though they would have to like just pretty much print that into the ground like 2x more than they have anything else um that would be really cool to see i like I said, I love the idea of Pokemon 151. I just wish that could be carried to other things. But, uh, yeah, I like reprints in that sense. But, yeah, just 
with many others just getting old. Change it up a little well, bit. Well, yeah, I feel like Gens 2 and 3 with Johto and Hoenn are old enough now to have something like that. I think we spent a lot of time in the past year or two celebrating Gen 4, so I think we kind of need to take a break from that just a little bit. But I think what better way to do that than looking further beyond and looking at Gens 2 and 3. It's just, who knows? I feel like we're we're going to see the 30th anniversary having a reprint from multiple eras before we're going to see something like that. I, I just That's just kind of how I feel the trends that the hat we're going towards, unfortunately, anyways. Yeah. All right. Well, that pretty much does it for the episode. Um, not sure where we're at on time, but we're getting up there. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to say thank you all for watching and sticking with us for this year. We'll uh, be going at it, you know, just as we always have. I know we get repetitive sometimes, but it's just yeah. nice to sit down and, and talk the hobby and get engaged with it. So We're excited for what the next year brings, for sure, within the hobby, with us, with, with everything, so... Yep. We're glad you're still with us, and we hope you continue to stay with us into year two and beyond, and we just hope you still enjoy it. All right, and we'll see you in the next one, y'all. Peace out. Peace out, everybody.